This is video podcast 57 from learningradiology.com, Fractures and Dislocations of the Elbow. Hello, I'm William Herring from Albert Einstein Medical Center in Philadelphia. In this podcast, we're going to discuss the fat pad signs around the elbow, supracondylar fractures, fractures of the radial head and neck, coronoid and olecranon fractures, dislocations of the elbow, and fractures in children. First, some normal anatomy. In the anatomical position, the radius is considered lateral and the ulna medial. So the blue arrow is pointing to the lateral epicondyle or lateral condyle of the humerus and the white arrow to the medial epicondyle or medial condyle of the humerus. The red arrows are pointing to the radial neck just below the radial head. The C labels the capitellum, which articulates with the radius, and the T, the trochlea, which articulates with the ulna. The O labels the olecranon of the ulna, and the green arrow points to the olecranon fossa of the distal humerus. The yellow arrow points to the coronoid process of the ulna. The radiocapitellar line is a line which is drawn parallel to the shaft of the radius. It should always pass through the capitellum, no matter what position the elbow is in. The anterior humeral line is drawn on a true lateral view of the elbow. It is a line that is parallel to the anterior aspect of the distal humerus, and it should normally pass through the middle third of the capitellum, as is shown here. The two fat pads around the elbow are both extrasynovial but intracapsular. The anterior fat pad may be normally visualized as a triangular radiolucency, as is shown by the white arrow. A posterior fat pad should normally not be seen on radiographs. In the presence of a joint effusion, the anterior fat pad will become elevated, as it is here, and it may become convex outward. It is similar in appearance to the spinnaker sail on a sailboat. The appearance of a posterior fat pad sign is always an abnormal finding. The red arrow is pointing to a positive posterior fat pad. It represents a traumatic joint effusion, and although a fracture may not always be visible, it will be present in about 70 to 90 percent of cases with a posterior fat pad sign, and it's more predictive of a fracture in children than it is in adults. This lateral view demonstrates the red arrow, a positive posterior fat pad sign, and a faint anterior fat pad sign shown by the yellow arrow. Another patient with trauma to the elbow and a lateral radiograph shows both a positive posterior fat pad sign, the red arrow, and a positive anterior fat pad sign. Supracondylar fractures are the most common elbow fracture in children. They usually occur between the ages of 3 and 10 years, and the mechanism is usually a fall on an outstretched arm with extension at the elbow. Complications of supracondylar fractures include cubitus varus and sometimes brachial artery injuries. The anterior humeral line can be important in diagnosing supracondylar fractures. Supracondylar fractures are usually displaced posteriorly, so the capitellum is more posterior to its normal location. 
Therefore, the anterior humeral line drawn parallel to the distal humerus will either pass through the anterior third of the capitellum or miss it entirely, as it does in this case. The red arrow is pointing to the supracondylar fracture, which we can see here, and the white arrow to the positive posterior fat pad sign. Here is another child with a supracondylar fracture. The yellow arrow and the red arrow are pointing to positive posterior and anterior fat pads, and the anterior humeral line passes through the anterior third of the capitellum, which is not normal. Fractures of the radial heads are the most common elbow fracture in adults. Fractures of the head are more common in adults, whereas fractures of the radial neck are more common in children. Radial head fractures can occur as isolated fractures or as parts of other fractures or dislocations around the elbow. They usually occur as a result of a fall on an outstretched hand. Frequently, several images of the elbow are required to see radial head fractures, a frontal, a lateral, and both oblique views. In this case, the radial head fracture is most obvious on the lateral view where the red arrow points to a lucency in the radial head. Here is another example in another patient in which the radial head fracture is most evident on the frontal view. There is an impacted fracture of the radial head. In another case, this in a child, there is a positive posterior fat pad sign shown by the yellow arrow, and the red arrow is pointing to the cortical discontinuity in the neck of the radius from a fracture. A longitudinal fracture through the head of the radius is sometimes called a chisel fracture, and it may be visible on only one of the four views of the elbow. Fractures of the ulna include olecranon fractures, which are second only to radial head fractures as the most common fractures around the elbow in adults. They usually occur because of falls on outstretched hands or from a direct blow to the olecranon. The fracture line is usually transverse, and it is an intra-articular fracture since it passes into the trochlear notch. Complications of olecranon fractures include non-union and loss of motion. Here's an example of a fracture of the olecranon shown by the red arrow. The marked distraction of the fracture fragments occurs because the proximal fragment is pulled by the triceps muscle. In another patient with a fracture of the olecranon shown here by the yellow arrow, there is also a dislocation of the elbow. The radiocapitellar line drawn along the shaft of the radius does not intersect the capitellum. And in this patient, with a previous fracture of the olecranon, the red arrows are pointing to the smooth and sclerotic margins of the edges of the fracture, which indicate the presence of non-union of the fracture. Fractures of the coronoid process of the ulna are the third most common elbow fracture in adults. At least 50% of the coronoid process must be intact in order for the elbow joint to maintain its stability. The coronoid process is commonly fractured along with radial head fractures and with elbow dislocations. If untreated, they can lead to joint instability. This is an example of a fracture of the coronoid process of the olecranon. The red arrow is pointing to the small avulsion fracture. 
Elbow dislocations are more common in children and in fact are the most common dislocation in children and second most common to shoulder dislocations in adults. They occur usually because of a fall onto the extended elbow. They are classified by the position of the ulna relative to the humerus. About a third of elbow dislocations are associated with fractures as well and rapid reduction is necessary in order to prevent complications. Posterior elbow dislocations are more common than our anterior dislocations. They occur as a result of fall onto an extended abducted arm, usually closed fractures, that is fractures which are not compound, are not associated with neurovascular injuries. The lateral image of the elbow in this case shows that the radius and ulna are both dislocated posteriorly relative to the humerus. Anterior dislocations are less common. They result usually because of a strong blow to the posterior aspect of a flexed elbow, and they are commonly associated with neurovascular injuries. This is an example of a combination fracture dislocation, a fracture of the ulna with shortening and dislocation of the radial head, which is called a Montagia fracture dislocation. Here's another example in which the radius and ulna are dislocated posteriorly relative to the distal humerus, labeled H. Nursemaid's elbow is a relatively common injury. It's due to axial traction, a tugging on an extended arm of a young child, usually between the ages of two and four years. The radial head tends to slip out of what is at that time a loose annular ligament. It is a clinical diagnosis. X-rays are frequently normal or show only mild subluxation. Pediatric elbow injuries can be difficult to diagnose because of the multiple ossification centers around the elbow. The elbow is probably the joint in which it is most helpful to obtain the opposite side for comparison. There are some normal developmental pitfalls to avoid. The trochlea, for example, is usually fragmented when it ossifies. The lateral epicondyle has one or more ossification centers, and the olecranon frequently has two or more ossification centers. It's important to know the order of ossification of the epiphyseal centers around the elbow. The first to ossify is the capitellum, followed by the radial epiphysis, followed by the internal or medial epicondyle, then the trochlea, then the olecranon, and lastly the external or the radial epicondyle. If we take the first letters of each of the centers of ossification, they spell the mnemonic crito. These are the approximate ages in which the ossification centers appear. The first is the capitellum at about one year of age, then the radial head at about three years of age, the medial epicondyle around five years of age, the trochlea around seven, the olecranon around nine, and the lateral epicondyle around 11. 
so they tend to ossify at the ages of about 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, and 11. But more importantly than the actual ages of ossification is the order in which they ossify. And here's why the order is important. At first glance, this looks like a relatively normal pediatric elbow. But let's examine carefully the centers which are ossified. The first one that should ossify is the capitellum that's present. The second center that should ossify is the radial epiphysis, which is present. The third center which should ossify is the medial or internal epicondyle, and it is not present. Instead, what we see is what looks to be the fourth center to ossify, the trochlea. But the trochlea should not ossify before the medial epicondyle. And what this represents is the medial epicondyle has been pulled into the joint and is trapped within the joint. So this is an abnormal elbow. The only way that you would recognize that is by knowing the order of ossification of the centers around the elbow. This is an example of an avulsion fracture of the medial epicondyle. These tend to occur because of pulls of the ulnar collateral ligament. They're most common around the age of 12 and they're frequently caused by a throwing motion, as in little league play. This is a fracondyle of the elbow. These fractures are traction avulsion-type injuries. They're most common around the age of 4 to 10 years, and they are considered Salter four fractures and may be associated with growth abnormalities. This is a fracture of the apophysis of the olecranon. There's also a positive posterior fat pad. Don't mistake the normal ossification of the apophysis of the olecranon for a fracture. The ossification center tends to first appear around the age of 9 and fuses to the rest of the elbow around the age of 18. It tends to fuse anterior to posterior so that there still may be a small cleft of lucency present posteriorly, which is not a fracture. These fractures are frequently associated with throwing. It's time for your mini quiz. Turn off your MP3 player or your computer while you ponder this lateral elbow in an individual who has elbow pain. Well, there is a very subtle positive posterior fat pad sign, and there is also a subtle discontinuity in the cortex where the radial neck meets the radial head. This is a fracture of the radial head.